Have you ever given serious thought to the practical everyday implications and significance of Christ's resurrection? Think for a moment now. I didn't ask you whether or not you have ever thought about the resurrection. It's doctrinal truth. But have you ever thought about the practical everyday significance of Christ's resurrection to you? Now when I say you, I'm speaking to the Christian. And I'm speaking to the unsaved. The resurrection of Jesus Christ should change the way of how every individual lives, whether you are Christian or whether you are not a Christian. That is, if you really believe what you say you believe when you say, I believe in the resurrection. For instance, listen to this word of God. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Why? Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men. How? By raising him from the dead. Have you ever thought of the practical implications of that statement as an unsaved person? What God is saying here is, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees that the unrepentant sinner will be judged for their sins. And do you know who will judge them? The resurrected Christ. Did you get that? And so if you say you really believe in the resurrection and you are not a Christian, you don't really believe in the resurrection at all. If you did, you'll bow before him now and accept him as your savior because you would prefer to accept him as your savior now than to stand before him in judgment then. And you know what guarantees that you will be judged if you die unrepented? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if that shouldn't change your life, I don't know what should. If you walked in here this morning not knowing Jesus Christ the Savior, and now you realize that this day, this resurrection day, guarantees that the one who reaches out to you this morning and wants to save you because he loves you, you realize that if you do not have this resurrected Lord in your life now. You're going to face him. You're going to face him as your judge in another day. That should change your life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a life changing truth. If you truly 
understand it. That's for the unbeliever. But now look at this verse. And this is not just a piece of literature we're reading. This is God speaking to us. Listen carefully. God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinning, we were yet sinners. Many implications here. Even when he was on the cross, he was still sinning. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now notice this. Much more than. Much more what? Much more than whatever happened as a result of the cross. Much more. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of a son, that's Friday. Notice now, much more. Did you get that? Much more. Much more than Good Friday. That's hard to outdo Good Friday. Much more. Having been reconciled, Good Friday. We shall be saved by his life. Resurrection day. Much more. Do you get that? This is for the Christian. Notice. Having been saved, we shall most certainly continue being saved by his life. That's my paraphrase. That's the meaning of the passage. There's more to salvation than being saved from hell. The resurrection guarantees that. His life refers to his resurrected life. The life that saves us on a daily basis from the power of sin. That's what we should be experiencing as believers if we really believed in the resurrection as we say we believe in it. It should change our lives. So don't tell me that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and yet you say, well, you know, I know I go on sin and I do this, I do that, but, you know... I'm only human. No. The resurrected Christ living within you in the person of the Holy Spirit guarantees you that you can have victory over sin. That's what the resurrection is all about. And if we're not experiencing that power over sin in our daily lives, you really do not believe in the resurrection. You believe about it, but you don't believe it. The resurrection, if you really believe it, changes your life. Whether you are a saint or whether you are a sinner. In fact, I should put it this way. Whether you are a sinning saint or just a plain sinner. Now you say, Pastor Lee, that's hyperbole. That's exaggeration. Is the, is the resurrection really that important? Well... Hear then once more the word of God. Now, if Christ is preached that he has raised from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, neither hath Christ been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then is our preaching vain. Your faith is also vain. Yea, we have found false witnesses to God. Liars. Because we witness of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not of, if so be that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, neither hath Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain. You are still in your sins. Then they also that have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have only hoped in Christ in this life, we are of all people most miserable. That's God. That's no paraphrase. That's God speaking about the essential, the essentiality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice. Notice carefully. If Christ was not raised from the dead, our Christian faith and our faith in Christ is without value. Meaning, no profit. Useless. Vain. Believers are still condemned sinners. Believers who have died are doomed for hell. And we are, of all people on this planet, the most deceived people of all, and of all people on this planet, we are to be pitied above everyone else because of our ignorance. If Christ be not raised, Christianity is a farce. Your prayers, your giving, your labor is of no value at all as far as your eternal destiny is concerned. That's why I say to you, based on the word of God, on this glorious resurrection morning, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith. It is the core belief, listen carefully, it is the core belief from which everything we believe and practice in the name of Christ should radiate, should emanate from and be determined by. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen carefully now. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is more of an important doctrine than that that the Bible is inspired or inherent. Did you get that? Now please don't walk out here and say I'm preaching heresy. Saying that the Bible is not infallible. or I'm not saying, but I'm saying this. The doctrine of the resurrection is more important to Christianity than the Bible be inerrant or infallible or inerrant. If someone were to discover a genuine error or contradiction in the Bible, and I don't believe they will or they can, because I do believe in an inspired and errant Bible, but if someone did find an error, did find a contradiction, that would not be the downfall of Christianity. Christianity would still go on. Christianity would still exist. Christianity would still live. But if anyone 
ever found the bones of Jesus Christ and proved to be so by DNA and all the other modern technology we have at our disposal to determine such things, if that were in fact to happen, Christianity would crumble at the moment of that discovery and validation. And all of us pitiful, deceived Christians would have to begin looking for another savior and another religion. Did you get the weight of that, the thrust of that? That's what Paul is talking about. Without Christianity, without resurrection, there's no Christianity. Who wants to serve a dead Christ? Listen, friends. That's what makes Christianity different than all the other faiths or religions. Why? It makes Christianity unique. Christianity is built upon the foundation that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's it. It is not built upon some ancient myth. It is not built upon human reasoning. It is built upon the fact. And I want you to get that. The resurrection is a historical fact. Christianity is based upon a historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is built upon the fact that Jesus Christ actually defeated death. He claimed that he would and he did. No other religious leader ever dared to make such a claim. And if they did, they couldn't pull it off anyway. I say again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is vital to you and to me. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ can be proven to be false, then Christianity will also prove to be felt false as well. Why? Because it's built upon a false foundation. This follows, therefore, that if the resurrection and be validated and is in fact a historical fact. Christianity then is true. Its uniqueness is validated by the resurrection of Christ. That's why Jesus Christ would be able to say without fear of successful opposition, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And the only reason he could say that is because he was raised from the dead. That's why we can say that Christianity is an exclusive, unique faith. None like it. In light of this, it is reassuring to the believer and a death blow to the objector that there is more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ for almost any other event that took place in ancient history related to the church. Now, let me, you could, you, you, you probably got to try to test this out, but try it anyway. Do you know that the resurrection has more evidence for it than the existence of Jesus Christ as a man? Did you hear that? Go buy the tape. No, I'm going to <laughs> 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ have more evidence of its validity than for the existence of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Now some will debate that. That's why I tell you to trust it out. I'm trying to show you the importance of this doctrine and the impact that it has on every person. If the resurrection can be refuted successfully, Christianity could crumble. But yet, evidence, history has shown that every charge marshaled against the resurrection of Christ throughout history to disprove it has shown to be wrong. In fact, the facts of the resurrection of Christ have been proven to be able to stand up in any courtroom if you only look at the evidence. For instance, and you could look this up anyway in your history books, by applying the rules of legal evidence to the claims of the resurrection, a lawyer by the name of Simon Greenleaf, at that time, one of the most brilliant lawyers of that last century, who was considered to be the authority on legal evidence, was converted to Jesus Christ while trying to prove as a lawyer that the resurrection was false. He came to faith in Christ because of the evidence. That has been repeated again and again by other reputable men of knowledge and so on. To, re to reaffirm our faith then, not only in the resurrection of Christ, but in the authenticity, the validity, and the uniqueness of the Christian faith, all we have to do is go to the Word of God. Now, some would say, that's circular reasoning. How can you go to the Bible to prove that the Bible is true? That's a good point. And sometime we're going to talk about that in detail. But there's also a need for what we call interior, inside, personal evidence, as well as outside, external evidence. You have that both. Because of the time and the place, we're going to look at internal evidence. In a practical way, not in a philosophical or theological way, but in a practical way. Let's look at what the scriptures have to say about it. First, Scripture tells us that Jesus made the claim that he would raise his body from the grave. Scriptures tell us that. Now, please, again, I want you to think. Suppose I came and stood before you and I said to you, I can kill myself tomorrow, but I can raise myself up on Tuesday. How would you take that? Some of you say, go ahead, I've got to do the first part. I know you're going to do the second part, but that'd be silly, right? Now, I might be able to kill myself, but I certainly cannot raise myself up again. Isn't that right? Now, remember that. See, that's the key. This is what Jesus said in John 2.19. Destroy this temple. He's saying this to his enemies. Destroy this temple 
and in three days I will raise it up. Now this is the prophecy and a promise. The prophecy that he would be killed and a promise that he will raise himself from death. Powerful verses. Now the Jews thought that he was speaking of the great temple that they worshipped in. You see, Jesus is teaching new truth by building it on old truth. That's the best way to teach. They thought he was talking about this gigantic temple that they had built. It took years and years. They could not believe that he could make such a claim. That he could destroy this building and build it again in three days. So he said, they said to him, it took 40 years to build this temple. And you are going to raise it up in three days? See, they saw the impossibility of that. Now compare that though to what he was really saying. Because the text goes on. Jesus wasn't talking about that temple, the building. He was speaking about raising up his own body. So the passage goes on, it says in verse 21, but he spoke of the temple of his body. New truth on old truth. The same significance of this temple that it has to you with worship, that's my body. The impossibility of restoring it so quickly if it's broken down, that's impossible. It's impossible for man to raise himself also. Except for this man. That's a fantastic claim Jesus made. And he made it with complete confidence. He puts forth the greatest challenge any man has ever made. Destroy my body, kill me, and I will come back to life. Now, if ever there was a statement that would discredit Christ and either make him a fool or a genuine prophet, is this one. If Jesus failed to fulfill this promise, Christianity would have died in the first century. In fact, it would have died three days after his death. Because that's when he was supposed to be raised again. But let me give you some news. In case you didn't know, Christianity didn't die three days after his death. It did not die in the first century. It did not die in the second century. Boom, 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 boom. And you know what? It isn't dead yet. Christianity is still alive. And do you know why it's still alive? It's still alive because Jesus is alive. Jesus is still alive. He has risen from the dead. Jesus fulfilled his promise. He rose from the dead. Just as he said he would. That's why you and I are here today. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Do you thank God for that? Do you praise God for that? Do you live to honor God for that? You see, an honest man, a man of integrity, will only make a promise if he can back one up. 
He doesn't want to be made a fool of or be called a liar if he made a promise that he knew he couldn't keep. A man of integrity will promise to pay back a loan. He will promise to return something he borrowed. He will promise to do a full day's work for a full day's pay. Why? He could do those things. And a man of integrity could do it. That's right. A person of integrity will work the hours he's been paid for. If you're not, you're not a person of integrity. By the way, I'm not preaching on that one. But listen. No man will promise to come back from the dead. Especially on his own power. Why? Because he knows he cannot do it. True or false? But yet Jesus Christ made that very promise. Knowing full well that he could fulfill it. He made it knowing full well that it would be the sign that would prove who he said he was. God raised him from the dead, declaring him to be what? The Son of God with power. Jesus knew that when he made that promise. It would be the sign that would establish once and for all that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And not only he can give life to those who believe in him. That's the promise he made. But you know what? And you knew that, didn't you? You, you knew that. But here's something else you knew. At least you said you did. Jesus actually died. Did you know that? That's what Good Friday was all about. Now, you might ask now, hmm. Uh, That's kind of hard. So what? Why is it important to establish the fact that Christ actually died? The answer is simple. Because if Jesus did not die, then his claim of coming back from the dead would be untrue. Because you cannot come back to life if you never died in the first place. Right? Therefore, for the resurrection to be true, necessity demands that the death of Christ had to be true. You say, why am I making that? Because many of the opposers to Christianity like to come up with these theories that Jesus didn't really die. At least not then. He only swooned in the grave. He only swooned on the cross, rather. But when he went into the tomb, the coolness of the tomb woke him up. And then he ran away to India somewhere. Some people say he came to the United States. I don't know why he'd ever do that. But anyway, he got out, he, he just, he, 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 rolled, he, so he just wasn't there. He didn't die at that time. This is one of the areas that deposes the opposition to Christianity launched their strongest attacks. You should look at some of the specials they have on National Geo- Geogra- Geography. And, and history, and you should see some of the stuff that's on there. But did Jesus die? You know, way back then, in the first century, they devised all kinds of theories to try to prove that Jesus did not die as depicted, and as he said he would. And so they tried to establish the resurrection as a hoax. 
In doing this, of course, they carry on the same tactic of the chief priests of Jesus' day. They even want to pay people off. The only people, only people who were there on the same when Jesus was raised from the dead were the soldiers. You know that, right? And the high priest wanted to pay them off. Say it didn't happen. Now, they didn't see it. Did they see him? It's a question we don't know. I believe they did, and when they did, that's what knocked them out. You know, we're talking about what's slain in the spirit. They're slain by Christ. The glory radiated. You know the story. The people didn't want the information to get out, so they wanted to do all kinds. That continues today. And all I have to say, just listen to the, to, well, no, don't listen to some of the stuff you hear. That's what they're trying to do. But again, I say, the evidence for the death of Christ is irrefutable. Irrefutable. The evidence proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did actually die. Those who try to persuade others that Jesus did not really die use all kinds of stories. But listen, what do the facts say? The facts say that Jesus was placed, was pierced in his side with a spear from a Roman guard. Out of the wound came what? Both water and blood. Medical authorities says that both water and blood don't come out of a live person, only a dead one. This shows that his heart had stopped beating, they say, and his blood was not circulating in his body. He died on the cross. That's the evidence. The very method that was used, crucifixion on a cross, was used because why? It brought death. The Romans meant Jesus to die. And they used the common means to put people to death at that time. Crucifixion. They didn't put him on the cross so he wouldn't die. They put him on the cross to kill him. The legs of the victims were sometimes broken to hasten death. To make it too painful for the victim to support himself by his feet on the cross or by his legs. But you know what happened according to the scripture. When the soldiers went to break the legs of Jesus, they didn't. They didn't do it. Why? Because they saw that he was already dead. The evidence says that he was dead. Pilate himself examined the evidence of Jesus' death. And what did he do? He pronounced him dead. These were all first-hand witnesses and saw the very body of Jesus. And what they did and said proved beyond the shadow of death that Jesus did, in fact, actually die. That's the evidence. And it's irrefutable. But thirdly, Jesus did rise from the grave. He defeated death. That's what today is all about. Now, as I stated previously, This was the most fantastic claim that Jesus Christ ever made. And he made some fantastic claims. But this was not just a claim. It was a declaration of a fact. And it is a fact that can be backed up 
by the testimony of eyewitnesses. It is a fact that can be backed up by evidence of the first hand, as we say. In fact, the Apostle Luke tells us that Christ showed himself alive, and he used this as his word, with many infallible proofs. We like to talk about the infallibility of the Bible, but here's the infallibility of these uh, witnesses to prove that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Who were these eyewitnesses? Were they paid off as well? No, they weren't. He was seen by Mary Magdalene. When she finally recognized him, she ran back and she says, What? I have seen the Lord. He appeared to the eleven of his twelve disciples. At first, none of them believed. Some of the greatest unbelievers in the resurrection of Jesus Christ were the apostles themselves. That's right. That's why when you read Luke 16, read it carefully as to who the unbelievers were. You'll have to look that up to see the meaning of that. Thomas, though, was not there. You remember, he wasn't there the first time he appeared. And he said, I ain't gonna believe. Mm-mm. Somebody raised from the dead? Now, this is one of the apostles. This is one of the men that Jesus taught for three years. Saying he didn't believe a thing he said about the resurrection. Isn't that something? Thomas says, unless I can put my hands in his wounds, I won't believe. He was called Doubting Thomas. But I like to call him Testing Thomas. And I thank God for Thomas. You see? He was the one who examined the evidence, and that's what we should do. And when Jesus appeared to him, he as a Jew made one of the greatest claims a Jew could ever make. A Jew was taught that there's only one God. One God. Yahweh. Now here stands a man before him who he now believes was truly the man who was crucified on the cross, was buried in the grave, and now he sees him alive. And he falls down before him. And what does this Jew, who's been taught all his life that there's one God and that God was not a man, what did he say? My Lord and my God. That is the greatest demonstration of faith shown anywhere in Scripture. When Thomas fell down before Jesus Christ, said, my Lord and my God. He was a credible witness. Then he appeared to 500 witnesses at once, it is said. Now, you know, in a court today, if you were charged with killing a man, and one person comes and says, I saw him do it. That's heavy weight against you, isn't it? It's hard to deny that if somebody's I saw. But now... Here are 500 people who come to God and say, I saw you shot the man. Now, you think the judge can let my man walk out? 500! So I ask people today, how many witnesses did the world need to believe that Jesus did indeed rise from the grave with all of these witnesses? 
All credible witness. No one, no one, no one denies the, 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 the integrity of these witnesses. How much do the critics need, the unbeliever need? How much evidence do you need that Jesus rose from the dead to validate the fact that God has accepted his death on your behalf? How much evidence do you need? But let's examine the evidences again. The law says that the testimony of an eyewitness is the supreme testimony of an event. An eyewitness is one who saw something firsthand, as I said, with his own eyes. And they can establish the event as a fact. But can we believe these Bible witnesses? Yes, we can. They are credible witnesses, infallible witnesses. The disciples did not believe at first. But yet, after they saw him, it changed their life. These covering men who were hiding behind the doors from the Roman soldiers. And their own religious leaders, by the way. When they saw the risen Christ, their entire life was changed. And they still went out preaching what? That Jesus was raised from the dead. Read the sermons in the book of Acts. The majority of them focuses on the resurrection of Christ more so than the death of Christ. They were proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, do you think these men, if they did some trick to hide the body of Jesus or took it someplace else and everything else, you think they would go out, go out preaching that he was raised from the dead, knowing that somebody might find the body and bring it to them and they could die because of it? Do you think these men would do such a foolish thing? No, no, no. They were preaching the truth. What was the truth? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Only an, insane, only an insane person would continue to tell a lie. And they knew that that lie, he found out, could cost them their life. But you see, if it's really true, then you know that it meant something to them who believed. That's why I say the resurrection of Jesus Christ can be demonstrated by you in regard to whether you believe it or not, by the way you live. By the way you live. Not by way you, what you say, but by the way you live. And so we conclude that if the evidence for the resurrection were presented in the courtroom today, the overwhelming conclusion would be that it was an actual event in history and happened just the way the Bible records it. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 once again. In fact, please let's read this passage together, will you? It's on the screen. Let's begin. But if it is preached, how can if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has been raised, preaching is useless. 
That's the word of God. Beloved, listen carefully. On this glorious resurrection morning, be assured of the fact that our faith in Christ is not in vain. We are not of all men most miserable. In fact, we should be of all people most glorious, most happy, because Christ is risen from the dead. Listen carefully. Our faith is supported by facts, not theories. It isn't just a pie in the sky sort of an idea. It isn't faith that you, I don't know what I believe, but I believe. It's not that kind of thing. It's based on historical facts. It's based on irrefutable facts. Facts that will withstand examination. Facts that have stood all kinds of examination for over 2,011 years. And these are facts that will stand for eternity. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And I say to you again, if you are a believer, then these facts of the resurrection should cause your faith in Christ to be strengthened and it should change your hypocritical life if you are living one now. If you are an unbeliever, then these facts of the resurrection should cause you to examine the basis for your unbelief. The facts are the facts. If you don't believe, then it is because you choose not to believe what has been proven to be true. And that, my friends, is illogical as well as foolish. And so I close with the words of God in John chapter 20, verse 29, speaking about testing Thomas. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Do you know who he's talking about? You and me. This is what I call the ninth beatitude. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But notice now. But these are written. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So I ask you one question on this resurrection morning. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? If you do, your life will show it. And do you know what? If you don't, your life will show it. You know something else. We will know by which, by where you appear before Christ after life. The believer in Christ will appear before the Bema for rewards. But the unbeliever will be stand before the great white throne to be condemned for eternity away from God. Do you believe your life Will show who is your Lord? That's what resurrection is all about. Who is the Lord of your life? Who is the King of your life? Who rules over your life? That's what resurrection is all about. And so I say, you must answer this question Who is your King? 
The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen.